Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Whenever I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'm listening to The Bobby Eaton Show, 89.9 FM KBOB, for news, information, and critical analysis. The Bobby Eaton Show, that's where Dr. Umar hangs out. The home of the Bobby Eaton Show, the Juice Radio Show, and Two Dogs Radio Show. Yeah. I do it big. Okay. You better R-E-S-P-E-C-T me. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stay connected and call us now at 646-716-5525 and press 1 to go live. All right. Hey, welcome to the Bobby Eaton Show. This is where we tell our stories our way out of home, out of... uh. Black Wall Street, Tulsa, 1921 Massacre. And uh, we just do everything in our community to help support uh, our community. And it's all about community, community, community. So today, hey, we got a great show going on. Hey, Chief and Christy and uh, Regina Goodwin is in the house, and we're just going to be chopping it up. But we're going to talk about something very serious and very dire to our hearts. That's a mass grave cover-up that the city did uh, here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, I was so upset when that was happening. It was crazy. You know, so um, we want you to dial a number, 646-747. I can't even talk. 646-716-5525. And don't forget to uh, press that one button. I'm trying to get my system going here. I got some technical difficulties going on, and it's just bothering me to death. So you guys stick around. If you hear anything kind of funny or something, you hear anything kind of funny like that, you know, just stick around and don't go nowhere because Bobby's over here trying to hit some buttons and make everything okay for you. Because, you know, we tell our stories our way over here. Uh, It's not young people come in here every Thursday, and they do radio their way. 
and we want to make sure that you support them. And you can support them by going to the Juice Radio Show Cash App or come by the studio at 1533 North Norfolk and uh, drop off a donation to help them. We're trying to send them to this time to New York City. So that's here they headed up by Ramal, the hometown heat. And boy, we just uh, love us some Juice Radio Show. Know, young people doing good things and being positive and things like that. In the studio, brother Chief, how are we doing, man? We doing, we doing, we doing. We doing good, man. Yeah, we doing. We, my daddy used to say, "Just because you're moving, don't mean you're moving forward." So we trying to move forward. Trying to move forward. <laughs> Miss Christie, what's going on? Hey, hey. And she said, "Hey, hey." <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. Regina, good one. How you doing, Bobby? Hey, doing good. Hey, you guys, welcome to the show. And we get we. Uh, I'm glad you could be here. We've been planning this for a little while. Hold on. Let me just, there I go again. Uh, And we've been planning this for a little while, and now we're here. So tell everybody a little bit about yourselves, and then we're going to get into talking about these mass graves. All right, uh, I'll start. Um, I'm going to keep it simple for what we're here for. Remember uh, the mass graves oversight committee? And, um, just here to let people know the truth about what's going on and, you know, to ensure uh, that we can, we can dissolve some of the fallacies that are taking place in the city. Well, that's good. What do you think, Christy? My name is Christy Williams, and I am a member um, on the 1921 Tulsa Mass Grave Oversight Committee. Great, great, great. And we, come on. And I, Regina Goodwin. I'm a descendant of 1921 Race Massacre Survivors and uh, on the Public Oversight Committee and State Representative. Great, great, Council great. Representative Greenwood. Welcome to the show. You know, I do this show three days a week, and I got our community coming in here all the time. Somebody's coming in here to talk about issues of our community. And one thing that's been very disturbing is uh, these mass graves. These mass graves. Now, I noticed something. I don't know if you guys, you guys probably noticed it too. Uh, During the centennial, they stopped production on their mass grave, didn't they? Or did they? Well, they stopped before that, actually. Even before that. Yeah, but, well, let me me put it like this. Some of us, some of them stopped. (laughs) We kept doing the work we do, right? Yeah. But you got people. Some of the city. Yeah, you got people who, it's all about dates and, and, and cosmetic look, appearance. You know what I'm saying? How do we make the city look good? Right. It was about it was about it was about, you know, let's clean up house. We got company coming kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you had people who even in that aspect were leveraging the history as it relates to the mass graves investigation. You know, you got Scott Ellsworth who wrote, just wrote a book. And, you know, you start to discover all this as, as we go through this journey and you hear about these discussions that take place in this book launching and just the timing of everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we could have we could have been going for you know throughout May, for that matter. You know we didn't have to start June first. Why 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 do we start June first? Who picked that date? Why yeah. was that significant? Who did? Right. You know we start asking those kind of questions and we start looking at who benefited from that date being chosen. So you know that's that's what I'd like to say about that matter. Uh, the city to me has been very disrespectful and what's been going on over there without consulting uh, the community. And, Regina, you spoke about this, um, I saw on television, uh, about them not letting us know 
what they're doing, and they never see. For me, they're all they always never consult with us. It's just like they take up they take up our messages on our streets that are laid down. They do things and they just never consult with us. How you feel about it? So, Bobby, basically, this is uh, you go back two and a half years. I've been saying the same thing that mm-hmm. uh, we are to be the public oversight committee, but uh, we've. The public has come out. Uh, they've led to where possible graves could be, and they've not been heard. So we've not in any way heard what the community has asked to happen. They had a plan, and basically, um, I say it all the time, you know, they call us a public oversight committee. I think we're the public out-of-sight committee, and I think mm-hmm. that's, that's how they continue to do what they do. But it's not because we haven't been at the table and offering uh, a good work product and suggestions. It's uh, it's a challenge, isn't it? Don't you feel that way, Christy? It's always been a challenge to get anything uh, done right with this city, unfortunately. But, yeah. So what is it that we can do going forward to make this change and uh, to bring about some unity in the community? What do you feel like, man? We got to be relentless, right? We can't be, we can't compromise. And that, that becomes a bigger problem. Like we, we so, we're so accustomed to, to um, placating white fragility, right? And, 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 and wanting acknowledgement from the city for, you know, like it's some kind of entitlement to be in this position. We are, we warriors on a, on a battlefield, right? You get, you get your, you get your medal after the battle, right? After you have won. Right, unless you held a, a political prisoner of some sort, right? And in this case, we're all been held prisoner because we're not writing our own history. We're not telling our own story. We're not controlling the narrative. Look at the media now about what, what's happened with this mass grave and their explanation for the outcome and where we, how we are where we are, mm-hmm. right? We, we, have to, we have to get in this position where we're so relentless you know, like, like a child agitating a mother for something in the store. That, a, a smart child, no, I can badger you long enough that you're going to give in to what I want, right? We, we just we give in, and we accept that it just is how it is. That's just how the system going to be. Da, 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 da. You know, we, Why we cre- do we do that? We create this, but, well, it's, free, it's a frequency, right? It's all about energy. Everything is about energy. If we don't build enough momentum, every time we have built momentum to do something big and being able to accomplish it, it's because we built the momentum. Right. We didn't we didn't accept defeat. In other words, we went into the fight saying we're going to fight not just to be fighting, but fight to win. How do we win? We hold them accountable. We don't never get them a break. Right. And that's the problem. We, we, we they find a way to circumnavigate us. They find a way to divide us. They find a way to put us even at odds with each other. Right. Because they know that when people are at odds with each other, they don't do what they don't talk. They don't communicate. Right. This is how we get. Through, even through your medium, this is give this gives us an opportunity to communicate with people who even that don't want to hear your voice. At least you're gonna get to hear the truth today, right? Well, you ain't gotta like me, but you got you gotta like you need to like the truth and what's happening in the city. So we have to be extremely relent, relentless, and we can't get them no breaks. We can't give them no out, and that's what they hope for. They hope for an out, right? And then we have to be willing to go the distance. Like, how far are we willing to go? Are we just, do, do we just want to complain? Do we just want to fight? I mean, uh, scream and holler. What, what, to what extent are we willing to go to make, the, to make a case, to make a point? So, so how do we get our people to engage in that, to understand that? Because I realize this, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. There are a few frontline soldiers in this city 
a few frontline soldiers who are always in the fight, who always go to the town hall meetings and, and support our elected officials and do things. A few of them, you can just about name them, you know what I mean, if you really chop it down in this community. And then you have a lot of organizations who are separate in their own little cliques of people or what they do. And, uh, you know, me having a radio station, I'm open to everybody in the community who comes in here. But one thing that I've noticed is that we're, we're quick to tell white people stories rather than tell our own people our stories. You know, we're quick to do that sometimes, you know, because I believe in this. I believe you should come to black media first before you go to white media. I think you should go to the Oklahoma Eagle. You should come to uh, 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 KBOB, Black Wall Street Times, Greenwood Tribune, Tulsa Star. I believe that you should bring that information here so we can get it out to our people before we give it to them, you know. And I be preaching this all the time. I say, how are we going to grow if we making them always grow? See, we got to strategize our thinking process. Strategize. Like they did back in the day, back when your dad Ed Goodwin and, and my dad and them was back there. The men was getting together and they were strategizing for protests and for things. They were getting together and even in that barbershop over there, Don Ross, my daddy, Homer Johnson, all of those old times, Reverend Chappelle, they was coming over there and they was talking that talk. You know, your daddy was coming over there, uh, Mr. Goodwin, and uh, I was a little boy, and I used to say, what these men doing over here just sitting around? You know, what, they ain't got a haircut. Why come they ain't going home? Because they was talking that talk. They didn't need to call the police to put out fires in our community. They didn't need to. They didn't have to. They could put out fires themselves. Strong men. strong. But we live in a different time and a different society to where things have changed, standards have changed. And stuff like that. And you just got, you got a lot of women out doing stuff nowadays. I'm looking, I'm saying, wow, the women is doing everything. You know, where the guys at? You know, and uh, I'm like, I must be old or something like that, coming from an old narrative or old perspective. But it's like uh, the civil rights movement of the 60s. You had Malcolm, you had Martin, you had SCLC, NAACP, the Black Panthers, and it went on and on, Urban League. You had all of these black organizations. They were different, but they were fighting for the same cause, civil rights, equality for one and all. And I'm like, uh, today we, we're kind of skeptical about who we want to follow. And then there's a lot of hate going on where people are hating each other. Hate, H-A-T-E, hate. Why should I hate you, Chief? Why? When you're trying to do good stuff. It's ego, man. It's ego. It's ego. That's why I tell people all the time. If if, if if social media shut down tomorrow, how many people would have zero identity? No, seriously. I mean, just straight I, I, up fact. I understand it. How many people would have zero identity, zero followers, zero reputation, zero footprint in the community? You could eliminate. You, you wouldn't. At that point, you could eliminate a whole lot of problems. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. instantly, because you force people to look within at that point. Now you really got to ask yourself, am I producing shit or just talking shit? Yeah, that's right. Right. And because there's a difference between those two types of people. Right. And, and the people you touch, do you leave them better or do you leave them worse? You got to ask yourself some critical questions when you call yourself 
a community activist, a community leader, a community advocate, whatever it is, right? You're going to have some disagreements. You're going to have, that's human nature. But the stuff we're talking about is built strictly on ego and people who can't identify the difference between ego and love for your community because that's when you're doing that selfless work. You ain't out there saying, I need to get paid. I need to get an applause. I need to get recognition. I don't care about none of that. Mm-hmm. Like all the stuff we're doing with this mask, great. ain't nobody honoring the work we're doing. And we ain't no asking for nobody to do nothing. it. Yeah. We're doing that for the ancestors, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what matters at this point. So when we go out there and we talk that mess and we go and pr- produce documents and express the truth to, the, to our community, we're doing it for selfless reasons, not selfish reasons, right? We ain't asking for nothing from nobody from the community because we're giving to the community. That's what a gift is, right? You give something without expectation. We're standing on the shoulders of those who came before us, and we are obligated. It's an obligation. And an honor. And an honor to give to make that happen. There's an honor and an obligation. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Chief is so right about that. You know, um, <laughs> this is this work is, is really not for the faint at heart. And I see, like, we go to and just like other people, you know, we, we go to bed with a lot on our shoulders, you know, um, and this is heavy. I mean, Regina's been doing this for over 20 years on this thing, and I could just don't, I see why she's like, you know what, when she leaves, I know why she left out the room. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. she's tired. And and we have to have people to come behind us to, to carry um, that fight to, and continue. And it's sad that we still have to, to do this, you know, Um but as you was talking about, you know, the unity thing, too, I, and I always tell you this, I say, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to follow somebody because they're black, because we definitely have some black folks. Well, you got to have leaders. <laughs> um, yeah, you can't follow everybody. Yeah, you know? so, so when we talk not about... Not agree with everybody. Right. So I, I just really care for when people start talking about the unity thing, cause, um, and, and just because you see people standing up... Um, or different on different principles doesn't mean you're being divisive or that you're choosing to to cause trouble or anything like that is this we're standing on our principles and everybody is not standing on those same principles and that's okay um but this is where we're at because there's some people some groups in this community you'll never see me with um and and that's okay i I realize that also (laughs) because i've talked to a few people in this community that I actually don't get get along with themselves. They're along <laughs> other organizations, mm-hmm. you know. And I'd be like, because this is a community radio station, mm-hmm. and they'll say something to me like, "Well, they're your friends." <laughs> but yeah, they're my friends. And then I said, uh, "I thought you was my friend too." Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So why even make a blatant statement to to put me put me in a box? Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna go in anybody's box. Bobby Eaton don't do that. You know what I mean? I'm gonna have. Even if I disagree with you, I'm still going to have a conversation with you to fill, fill, fill out where you are coming from. Mm-hmm. So now I know after having that conversation. I know. You, you said something that was really important about how people would come. you like, why are they just sitting around, right? Mm-hmm. When you are a worker, that's what you do. You, you plan strategically. You're not telling all your business and all your plans, and then you got people in the background saying, oh, they should have told. Why come we didn't know about it? <laughs> right, because we knew, we know that, you know, the mouth can destroy a lot of things. Oh, man, right? a and pair of lips will say anything. Right, sink you know. ships in a minute. Mm-hmm. 
We and we have to be strategic because we know they listen. We know they send people amongst us, right, to create animosity, to create division, to create problems. Then on top of all of that, we actually have to go and fight the very system, right, that we're trying to protect them from. You know, it's it's such a it's such a uh, double-edged sword that we got to work with, and. You know, like, that's why I say we have to be relentless. We have to be disciplined. We have to be so focused that we cannot afford for distractions. We don't, you know, people ask me all the time, Chief, why come you don't, why don't you, why don't you, why don't, you need to go address that other mess over there. Okay, what am I, what, what is me addressing mess? First word you just use is mess, right? I wasn't born to be a janitor. I wasn't born to clean up nobody's mess. I'm here to, to make a change, to make a difference in the community. You got one life to do it with. So what are we here? What are, what are, why are all of us here today? Because we know that this system, that city we live in, has exploited us for over 100 years and continues to do it because for the first 100 years, they mastered keeping us silent, right? We don't, we don't, we're not living under that, that, that reign of, pre, of oppression anymore like that. You have your voice. You have an opportunity. You have different ways to express your voice like this microphone. You have no reason to wear the mask mm-hmm. today. Right, like that conditioning that we talking about, and people say, "Man, don't you ain't you scared? Y'all gonna get killed or get shot or something?" We 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 get them threats. Yeah, we gonna get them, right? Because what? If you ain't getting them, you ain't doing your job. You ain't. You, oh yeah, if yeah. you're not getting them, you're not gonna. You know, I I had a couple of ministers come to me and come through that door right there. They said, "Bobby, you too radical." They say you too radical the way you talk on the radio. And I said, well, hey, it is what it is, and it's, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, if you don't like it, don't listen. Yeah. If you don't like what we do over here, like tonight, we got a, we got a conversation going on, and those who are out there who don't like it, don't listen. You know, tune in to somebody else, go over to another radio station or something and listen to them. But if you are listening, we're trying to give you some food that you can help yourself and educate yourself and, you know, be conscious of knowing what's going on in your community. Well, don't you feel that way, Regina? Yeah, I was going to say, you, you talked about what do we need to do to move forward, and I do think that um, I, I, in any time in history, you've never seen a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. moving in the right direction. It's always been a small group of folks that are committed to integrity, that have principle that are going to do right because it's the right thing to do. And I ain't going to never be united with lies. I'm never going to be united mm-hmm. with folks that are going to sell out this community. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be united with that, that that's not going to be right for us. So this idea of unity, I think that has to be qualified. Why do you, what are you going to be unified with? So I think that's important. And I also think that our, our, all of us need to be as informed as we can be. So when these issues are going on, that you're just not following, but you, you're a critical thinker. And you're able to read between the lines and figure out what's going on. So that's important also. And so everybody's got a role to play, uh, got something to do. And, Bobby, it's been this way for a long, long time. But I think we continue to fight as long as we got life, right? And we're gonna, that's what we got to do. As, a, as, a, as you talk about our ancestors and folks that have come before us, um, we owe it to them, that's right. certainly. Oh, man, it's, that's a, right. it's a workload that's that we can never stop doing, right. you know, because uh, they paved the way for so much. Right. If, look here. I wouldn't be able sitting in this chair right now 
if it wasn't for my grandfather, who paved the way, who built the building, which my dad allowed me to come in here and do a radio station. Those ancestors and people before us, they, they did so much. So much legacy has taken place. Hey, Oklahoma Eagle, your people, Regina, so much history, and it's still going on today. Legacies and stuff right. like that. So many stories, right. those walls could talk and, you know, things like that. So we can't give up the fight. We can't do things like that. Chief, you give, you and Christy give tours down there on Greenwood. You guys actually spew the history of it to people who don't know anything about it. And I commend you guys on doing that, you know, because everybody ain't going to do that and everybody just don't know. Right. You know, how would you like somebody down there telling the story and they really don't know how to tell the story. They're telling the wrong story. Yeah, that's the big know. part. That's the that's that part. Yeah, and I know you you got some you got something like that. <laughs> that, that part right there. Yeah, right, that part right there, the wrong stories, huh? Man. You know, but so I mean it's just uh and then wanna talk about what you doing ain't, ain't right. You know, so that's uh why is our people like that, man? That crabs in the bucket syndrome. I mean, we, we haven't accepted the fact that we're in a state of war, right? And when you're in a state of war, there are things that are going to happen. And when you don't understand being in a state of war, then you don't understand things like counterintelligence. You don't understand things about how to collect intel. You don't understand agent provocateurs. You don't understand none of the mechanisms that are in place to put us where we are. It's not a, it's not like a genetic trait, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an engineering. It's a social engineering that's designed in a state of war, right? Because we have to be, we have to be kept in this position of ignorance, right? What do you think critical race theory is all about? They're systematically controlled, right? Right. You know, these things are about keeping not just us, but the rest of society ignorant and believing in the illusion of superiority, Right which is an illusion, mm-hmm. but you get, you got poor folks who think they equal to, to their wealthiest whites. It relates to privilege. Not, yeah, exactly. So, so when we, we have to understand that this, these are, these events that occur with us are acts of war, consequences of war, right? That mass grave cemetery, that's, those are the spoils of war from their perspective, right? That's a trophy cemetery. All of the founders, all of the people who participated in the massacre, and, and you got all of these people, these originals, as they call themselves, in that same cemetery. So what are we to them? I went, there's a cemetery in Algiers where the slave master buried his slaves in the same cemetery he was in so they could go on to the next world and serve him. Like this, that psychology, we, ain't even, we haven't even tapped into the, what this is all about. That's why I don't pay attention to trivial matters. Right. It, the, the, the war for, it's too big. Even as, as Sister Regina said, you've always had a small group. The military does the same thing. They don't spit, send all the giant army in first. They send in special operation units to go in and create conditions that are ripe for you to now move into a territory because they've created this. They've dismantled the leadership and made it possible for you to infiltrate those 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 uh, those countries. In our case, it's our communities. You find people capable of infiltrating your communities. They all they do is create disturbances. That's the design, right? But you don't. But it, it, so it's like for every criticism, I should be able to say, okay, you're critiquing my ideas and what I want to do. But where can I follow you to? Mm-hmm. Nowhere, mm-hmm. right? Where can I follow you to? Because if you got a superior plan or a better idea, then I will follow your idea. I'll follow your plan, right? Because I ain't operating on ego. 
I'm saying I'm humble enough to hear that you actually have a better idea than I do. So every criticism should come with a solution. That's where we fail because we, we actually give an ear. We sacrifice our own head for ignorance, for somebody else's ego. Like, I feel the same way. But what do you think? Right? What do you think? The system is saying we think if we can get enough division inside this oversight committee, we can create, we can do whatever we want to do. But if they unify as a whole, we don't have to worry about it. We got people on oversight committee we don't even know <laughs> who be on the call. And I'm like, when, at what point are they going to input? Right? They, they, don't, they don't say anything. Right. Native they groups and all other kind of groups. Well, we, we like, how do these people even get in, engaged well, in this? They need to get off of it. Because that, that means that potentially they could be having private meetings. With and have, Exactly. And expressing themselves as oversight members. But then we have our collective body meeting. It's just that small group, like Regina said, who are the ones speaking up, asking questions, and following up and saying, look, on behalf of the community, everything you all are doing, Looks like an absolute cover up and a conspiracy. And that's that's a that's oh, that is a problem that we have with us. You know, it's a problem. You know, and and Regina, I know you've uh, gotten some pushback on certain things. You know, throughout uh, your occupancy as a state representative, and it's a fight over there in Oklahoma City. You know, uh, with minorities not really having the voice that they need. You guys struggle over there, you know. I've been told that you could come up with a bill. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You can create a bill that's supportive to black people and pass it on, and it can sit on somebody's desk for a while before they decide to move it on to somebody else's desk before it even hits the floor. Right. So, Bobby, basically what you said is um, I'm black, I'm a woman, I'm a Democrat, okay? And at the state capitol, right, we're the super, super, super minority. And long story short, uh, if we have um, the last day that I was in session, I had a white uh, Republican male in my face telling me I'm sick and tired of you talking about race. Mm -hmm. Every time you come to the floor, you're talking about race, and I'm sick of it. He then accused me of some false stuff that never, ever happened. And this is a man talking about what you going to do? What you going to do? Really? Like he wanted to fight, right? Uh-huh. On the House floor. And, um, on the House floor. Yes, on the House floor last day. And, um, you know, you're right. It is difficult. We have uh, bills, and they don't even get past the committee chair. One man can stop four months of work that you've been engaged in over the summer, right? And we put a lot of work. We talk to all the experts across the nation, get down to Oklahoma City, and just because he doesn't want to hear your bill, because he might think I talk about race too much, he's not going to hear the bill. Uh, if they're not talking about race, who else is going to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. If we know disparities that exist as it relates to black folks, white folks, if we know we're more apt to get arrested, get murdered, uh, get choked out, we're going to continue to do that work. And so, yes, it's difficult, but it's still a fight worth having. And that's the bottom line. It's a fight worth having. Every time I go up those steps, I know, you know, when I started, we had 32 Democrats. We're down to 19. Every year I go back, we lose more and more Democrats. Uh, but there are still issues that we've got to raise, still um, fights worth having. And it's the work that you can do beyond the Capitol that also matters, and that work's getting done every day. So 
we got to continue to do what we do. But you're right. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. I know it's very difficult yeah. for you. I know. And see, a lot of times the community don't know that. and They don't realize mm-hmm. the difficulties of our elected officials and what they're mm-hmm. going through. Mm-hmm. They don't know. See, people will know. Regina Goodwin. They'll know Vanessa Hall Harper. They'll know Kevin Matthews or Janetti Marshall. They'll know us by name and name only. They won't know what a state representative is or a city council member is or a senator is. They don't have those definitions. They're just voting for the name, mm-hmm. you know, that they know about the name. And sometimes I think they think that you guys have these these uh, God appearances where you can just, you know, walk on water, you know. And Ain't nobody thinking that, Bobby. Yeah, right. Yeah. Some <laughs> folks think that, well, what is, what, what is he doing? What is she doing? What are they doing? I said, man, look, hold on, man. Them people go through some trips on their own trying to get things passed and right. policies passed and things like that. I mean, they go through a struggle. Yeah. You know? And they got to know this. They got to know a lot of work is still being done on behalf of a lot of folks. They won't see it on Facebook. They won't see it on the news. But uh, people are absolutely being helped every day. This is, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I did not think well, I was effective for the folks who have been helping. Tell me, you know, and I'll tell them. Right, we, could, we could start right that. now if you Let's want do to. do that. You know, <laughs> that's why I say, come tell me. Because, she said, I got a receipt. Yeah, you, you know, got a receipt. And, 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 and for instance, let's start, let's start with the $600,000 that went to the Race Massacre Survivors. That okay. was an uh, effort that uh, I initiated. We worked on for some three months, okay? And uh, by God's grace, we were able to give to the three survivors $625,000 in their hands, like in very between between the three of them. Yeah, between the three. Mm -hmm. And and that was something that I wanted to do because I knew that if the state is not even going to want to do a resolution, they had to fight to get a resolution to acknowledge the 100 years. I said, we've got to do something in the public public realm outside of the Capitol. And I went to black folks in particular, worked with a, a black 501c3. And we were able to get that done. And, and, and let me say, yeah, Tulsa okay. Steps. Tulsa okay. Steps is a 501c3. Mm-hmm. But by the grace of God, when we made the ask of individuals, they contributed. And, and the big ask of Pastor Todd mm-hmm. uh, at Transformation Church. I heard about over Pastor three Todd. months, he says yes. And, mm-hmm. and that's how that got done. So if I was reliant on the Capitol to get that done, it, it, that, that did not happen. And don't think I haven't asked, right? Well, and they tend you. to give money. They tend to give money to folks that that are not necessarily doing what's best for this community, and and that's how folks get rewarded at the Capitol. If you if you sell out, if you hmm. don't stick to an agenda, if you don't help your community, if you ain't talking about black folks and the disparities, then you tend to get your bills passed, or you tend to be heard uh, a lot a lot quicker than others. So. Um, I'm passing on now to Chris. <laughs> okay, well, great. <laughs> um, Regina, we appreciate that. Yes, Regina. yes. And, and Regina, I have to say this because people, for for your listeners and for those who don't know, um, I the reason why I'm into community service and advocacy is because of Regina. I always looked at her. I knew Regina when she was Regina, the activist, the concerned citizen <laughs> who was um, – at NAACP, my first NAACP meeting is actually when I first met Regina. Y'all may probably remember that. But um, I, that's, that's where I was like, dang, this lady's going hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, 
man, and, and she's so loving. Like people always see her, they feel like she's yelling, but she's really so loving. And and and, and she just embraces. I mean, it's like you know, uh, auntie. Friend. I mean, you know, it's like you know, that's what it is. Um, and when she ran for uh for for office. I knew she was going to be awesome. Um, I remember being at, at, at your at your home um, with your mother. We all and you had announced you were going to um, run for office. I, I, I was a advocates for your community first and, and still is, um, who became elected officials. So they they've been changing the game and they you created a space where you're showing people that you can speak truth to power and it's okay. And so people are seeing that and I, I it's really good for young folks to see that, that you don't have to go in and bend over as they say and and, and sell out this community because look 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 at Regina. Look at Vanessa. Look at what they're doing. And these are black women doing this, you know. And so um, I, I remember, and I have to just to say this, too, because I remember that, that same night at your house, um, I remember uh, Bub was there doing his homework. And I still have this. I, I have to give this to you because this is so funny. But I had read in his journal like last year or two years ago in the spiral, old spiral, and he was writing uh, that we were at Regina's house. He said, I'm just ready to go home. I got 12 chips left. Like, he literally counted the chips that he had left. And you know, he's like, my mama always got me at these meetings. And, <laughs> I mean, he wrote about the hood. It's so hilarious, you know, just seeing that. And I keep telling him, one day you're going to look at this and yeah. be like, wow, this is history being made. Yeah. And you were, <laughs> you know, laying it in your living room floor yeah. writing yeah. it. And yeah. we just you know, at your dining room table. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just. I, I mean, those 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 moments are special, and it makes me think of how far we have came um, together. And and I mean, I mean, you just think about it. It almost yeah. made me want to cry. I, I, now I remember you almost got me crying. I, mean, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. I yeah, that is great. That is fantastic. You know, I've been uh, I've been knowing you and your family for years. Exactly. Me and your uh, deceased brother. Eric. Uh, Eric. Yep. We're real tight friends. And um, he was a trooper, too. I mean, he yeah. was out there. He Absolutely. Was, he was going for, you know, yeah. your brother Greg yeah. and yeah. you. Yeah. And, and, you know, Eric worked with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's wife, uh, yeah, Coretta Scott King. At, at King Center. And, yeah. Yeah, he was right wow. there and yeah. stuff. I mean, he was uh, he was with the ghetto choir. You yeah, back absolutely. In the day. Absolutely. <laughs> we had a choir here. Absolutely. It's also called the Ghetto Choir. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> and we had a, we actually, and we made records and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. we traveled around the country. That's right. You know, I was in the ghetto choir band. Yeah. And it was yeah. probably about, shoot, what, 50 maybe yeah. uh, yeah. kids and yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Headed up by Shirley Scoggins. Yeah. And related to Shirley Scoggins, related to Kanye West. Right? Kanye West, yeah, that's, yeah. That's uh, Kanye West's aunt. Yeah, wow. you know, yeah. and yeah. Uh, man, it Musical was family. Hey, yeah. the ghetto choir. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Why was it that name? And who named she it? named it. 
Yeah, because it was black folk. It was black folk. Coming from the heart from of the, the community, from singing the our from the music, hood. going into the, going out into other states and visiting other cities, you know. And, and now. Representing Tulsa, Oklahoma. Representing Tulsa. And we would go into uh, various uh, highly suburban white folk stuff. Yeah. You know, and two day churches and stuff, and we'd be singing with the afros, afros and talking about black power. Yeah. You know, black power. And, I had to come to you your know. house and do some photo <laughs> albums. I want to see these pictures. We were, we were doing all that kind of say it loud. I'm black and I'm yeah. proud, and we'd be up in their places. Oh, and that's the way it was going on back yeah. then. Yeah. 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 No, no, oh, but no. but my brother. Older brother Eric, mm-hmm. uh, my uncle Bob. Bob was yeah. like a yeah. your uncle Freaking Bob. A Bob. Mm-hmm. Bob Freaking a K Bob. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> K Bob. Bob. He was a uh, he was like the the uh, commentator of the whole thing. Yeah. He was a spokesman. Mm-hmm. He would get up before the crowd and talk and yeah. say some talk back. Yeah. You know, and then Shirley Scoggins would get up there and direct the choir, and we would be playing in our little band yeah. and stuff like that. So. It was a unique situation, a very unique organization. Now, we're talking 70s. Mm-hmm. It was a very unique situation, bringing about awareness to black people. Yeah, your yeah. Uncle Bob was there. I know it. I yeah. remember. Oh, yeah, Eric and so your Uncle Bob. Absolutely. And, and your dad was taking all the pictures. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he was. He always kept a camera. Yeah. Kind of like Kevin Ross today, you know, with a camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was like he was that guy. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But that's some Tulsa history that never really talked about. Yeah, and most most people don't even remember that even took place back in those days and those times. But there is a resurgence now in Tulsa today, in America today, because yeah. of the climate. You know, everybody is um, uh, racism is being magnified all oh, across the nation, every day. right? And it's forcing black folks to, to, to take a stance on who you are and who we're going to be. And because uh, there are some folks that want to cattle put us all the way back to, you know, 400 years ago. And, 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 and in a way, it, it, it is unfortunate. It's a bunch of wickedness. But it also is making certain communities rise up and really, really be the best they can be. So you hear people embracing who they are, not being afraid to speak to the issues without, you know, and let me say this, just for the record, while we're talking, this whole idea of people of color, I don't understand that phrase when folks say, oh, that's a person of color, because, again, we're not this, this group of mixed up whatever, right? Because um, when you do that, uh, last I heard, white was a color, right? So this time, oh, that's a person of color. Well, what, who is that white person, right? A person of color. You know, and, and the thing <laughs> is, so color, if, huh? if we get rid of that and we go back to talking about specifically what black folks need, uh, where black folks need to be as it relates to the economy, as it relates to housing, as it relates to jobs, as it relates to COVID, and, and, and what's going on with this in terms of health care, right, and the disparities, um, then, then we get along further and faster. But if we don't identify it and call it what it is, we're going to be this homogenized group of people of color, and uh, it, it ain't going to be who, that pretty. Who started that? I don't know. And I know a lot of folks, it's trendy, and a lot of folks say it. But when I'm in meetings, I'm very clear that I'm championing for black people because uh, I was in a meeting one time actually with a white man, and I'd been very clear about what I was talking about. And uh, we came back after that session. He came back, and he had a plan 
for the Hispanic community. And I said, where in our conversation did you get that we were talking about Hispanic folks? He says, well, everyone was talking about minorities. And I thought, since we're talking about minorities, I got to get to pick one. And, you know, <laughs> and he comes back and he's talking about that. And all my thing is this, you know, we have to call it and be specific about our intent and our aim, mm-hmm. our objective, and that matters. So, um, yeah, those are it. terms that, that, you know, so we can just be outboxed, as Dr. Claude Anderson uh, calls it, people of color, minorities. Those are terms to keep us out of the box and to, to get rid of us, honestly. And so you're right. And, and, and let's understand, race is a social construct for yeah. all those intellectuals out there. We understand <laughs> that was already created, but since we got to call it something, just for the sake of this conversation. Let's call it what right? it is. Okay. Yep. Yeah, you got to call it what it is. All right. So um, as we go back to the conversation about these mass graves, uh, Regina, they came to the city of Tulsa. You did a press release. Right, the day before. Yeah. How did you how did you how did you find out? Because Christy, you called me the uh what is it, the morning of the mass grave mm-hmm. and you were on the news in the evening time. Mm-hmm. I guess uh Kevin Ross found out the information, I guess, I mean, and notified I don't know, tell me how it came about. <laughs> you wanna so, say, uh, Well, I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm just I'm just going for it. Let me, let me say this, that we did the press conference because, number one, on Tuesday we had a meeting. Chief had written some questions to the city. And, and thank God for Chief that that uh, I was about fed up, quite frankly, because what they were talking about wasn't making sense. They were talking about a ceremony that none of us had planned. And I didn't want to respond to something that I had not engaged in in the first place. They, right? planned, they planned the ceremony? Yes, yes. And they told us what the date was going to be, mm-hmm. when it's going to be, et cetera. And we were like, where did this come from? Chief takes the time, thank God, to write these folks back in and, and very explicit terms, and he asked a bunch of questions. When he asked these questions, they're like, well, let's, let's, we're going to have to get back to you. And uh, out of that, uh, you know, Chief was like, well, we need to meet. And we had this meeting with some of the Public Oversight Committee members, right? We asked these questions on Tuesday night. Uh, we're talking to Rodrigo Rojas, who has now been appointed by the, the city, yeah, uh, so were, many people are falling. Yeah, so many people are falling away. Mm-hmm. And as I saw people moving away from this issue, I knew that they were trying. I felt they were trying to bring it to a close. I've always felt that way. All right. Long story short, go on. We have this meeting. A lot of good questions are asked. The forensic anthropologist is in the meeting. The archaeologist is in the meeting. Someone representing the city, and we're asking the questions. Where did the ceremony come from? who decided on it, and we're not getting, and they're pointing the fingers at each other, right? And uh, they told us they would get back to us with some answers. We want to know, where is your budget? You're talking about you're putting this on pause, but how do we know you even have money to continue the work, right? Who decided that the work was completed? Because we didn't. The forensic anthropologist told us we're going to be moving further south, right? And we also knew there was some issues with the remains that were before them anyway, right? They're talking about, we've got one that's got a bullet uh, to the skull. Some of these others we're not quite sure about. And uh, they were ready to kind of keep it moving. And they said, we're going to look to see if bullet holes, see who's burned. Uh, To Chief's point, if there is no soft tissue on these remains, you can't see who who had smoke inhalation. You can't see who was choked to death. You can't tell that 100 years later. So to that degree, they were looking for certain signs of, 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 they say, trauma. 
And up until that point, uh, some 20 remains, they had one that had trauma. So it's very possible that 19 of them had nothing to do with the race massacre. Very possible, maybe they do. Thing is, why are you going to try to have a ceremony and cover all this up and put them down on the ground? You had no process as it related to ex- uh, uh, extracting the DNA. They don't have a process over the last two years. They have not begun to try to reach out to people that might be descendants of people that were documented 100 years ago by death certificate. There are some names that we know about from 100 years ago, and that is who they reportedly are looking for right now, right, as they, they call it the, the 18, and I believe it to be 16. That's a whole other story. But moving further along, they told us they were going to get us some answers to our questions. That was on a Tuesday. So Wednesday goes by. I didn't hear nothing, right? Uh, there was no mass um, uh, communication to anybody, and bits and pieces were trickling in to different folks. Uh, there's some lies that were told. There was a lack of transparency. And for some, there was some truth told, but that, that doesn't make for good communication. And so Tuesday passes. There's a timeline here. Bottom line is uh, I found out on Facebook uh, because of Joy McCondishy saying being led by God, that she went out there and saw these casket um, pods being put in the ground on a Thursday when I was told that this event, this ceremony that we all said we did not want on Tuesday, we said no ceremony, no burial of remains. That's what we all agreed on on that call. And uh, we were waiting for the hear back from the city. And while we're waiting to hear back from the city, uh, I get a call about uh, Joy McConaughey putting casket pods on Facebook. They're being put in the ground on a Thursday. So for the public oversight committee, how could that be and how how uh, such a disconnect, intentional disconnect yeah, from the yeah. city, right? And if they're not communicating with them, they're moving on anyway, that's how we're finding out this. So y'all take it from there. Yeah, uh, Regina's right. And like she said, that we had a meeting that Tuesday. Uh, we voted as a body to postpone this burial and slash ceremony. Um, so we left thinking that it was postponed. And then as we um, Thursday morning come, I get a text from uh, Kevin Ross, our chair, um, stating that the city has decided to rebury um, the remains and have a ceremony with or without us. Um, and he texted that to me and Vanessa, and it was your home number, Regina. So she didn't get it. And, um, and they're very well aware of what my cell number is. So anyway, okay. moving right along. And so um, I called Chief. But I think you had Albert. Did you know? Mm-hmm. I think, okay, I called Chief. And Chief was, you know, of course, we were all like, what the heck is going on? So we kept, we tried to reach out to everybody from our chair to, then we get an email, I think, but. Thursday night at 4.50. Yeah, 4.50. That's the end of business day. Yes. What did it state? Well, the email just basically said they're going to do the ceremony and the the reburial. It didn't answer any of our questions that we had. It was just saying that that was what was going to happen. And they did acknowledge. They said, we understand that you all have submitted several questions. However, we're going to discuss the the ceremony. Right. That's the way of saying we're not answering nothing y'all are asking at this Mm. moment. We're going to move on and do what we want to do. Right. So, um, uh, Regina typical, typical. called. A, yeah. So Regina called a press conference, and we would try to get ahead of it. Let community know we do not agree with what's going on, um, and just being and telling the truth and being transparent as an oversight committee should be. 
Um, and so that's what we did, and um, and here we are. So they decided to do what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. After you submitting all kinds of questions and stuff to the city. Mm-hmm. Not only did we submit the questions, we were so explicit with the rationale, the lack of rationale, and how unscientific their science was that we were able to convince the scientists that we were right by the end of our conversation on Tuesday. <laughs> and what I mean by that, I mean so much so Phoebe Stubblefield, the forensics investigator, was like, hey, I mean, she's spot on with, with the assessment that he has made. What was the assessment? This is for the community at large because the public needs to know just how bad we're being manipulated, not just as an oversight committee, all of our community, right? The question was asked, why are you asking us to plan a commemoration haphazardly when you haven't even finished your job, right? The scope of your work has not been completed. We ask critical questions. Have you analyzed the remains? Do you know what race they are? Have you done everything? No FBI investigation. Forget FBI. The mayor called it a homicide investigation. We have not seen any homicide investigator on site since the beginning of this process. Oh, wow. And Chief, let me ask, I'm not seeing a medical examiner. I read uh, this report uh, right. today and was talking about the medical examiner that's going to work closely with the city. I'm like, since when and where? So you got all of these, you got all of these problems that show up, right? So they said the scope of our, our investigation mm-hmm. involves 17 black men who are affected by trauma, violent trauma. So I said, what you're telling us is you have excluded the most marginalized people on the planet who happen to be black women and black children from the entire investigation. So all those remains that we're finding, you're saying basically, well, we're not looking for them. Literally, that's what you're saying because you have a scope. You have a simplified scope about what you're looking for. So once again, you're marginalizing the history of what happened to our people. I say I expressed, what about Bristol Hospital and the maternity ward, right? Ain't nobody ever talked about the victims of the hospitals that was burnt down. No record, no conversation in nobody's book, in nobody's conference, in nobody's lecture. You ain't never heard nobody mention the hospital and what happened to all those remains. Now you start finding all of these babies lined up in this cemetery, and the man who actually represents your, your evidence is buried right next to the babies. And you want to say this, this, ain't, this is outside the scope of our investigation or our contract, our agreement was based on the following principles. They didn't even say the following principles because they couldn't even outline it. To this date, we still don't know what's outlined in this so-called contract. All we know is that you, took, you have a scope. And I said, all right, fine. If you got a scope, you got a whole cemetery you need to dig up because you still ain't found what you're looking for. But outside that, the public needs to know. Because you got some people who think we done disturbed remains that, are, that don't have nothing to do with the massacre. Well, let me keep it simple for you. When you look in the ground and you see coffins and people who are buried in the wrong direction, right, displaced in this, in this area that's supposed, yeah, in this area that's supposed to be disturbed, and you got a mixture of victims, children, women. You got a woman who was seven months pregnant in the site, in the same site that you called a mass grave, right, just based on how they formatted and how they laid in the ground, 
is enough evidence, enough information to show you ain't nothing orthodox about this, this, this location, right? You got all of this evidence right in front of you. And I said, see, now if you had had a homicide investigator on the scene, I guarantee the story would be a little different because you're not reading it as an anthropologist. You're not reading it as a forensic scientist. You read it now as a homicide investigator, but because you don't have that accountability. This is where the mayor, where the mayor is all, way, he's all up in this. But you, got, you, don't have, you have zero accountability as it relates to this being a crime scene. Because people are treating it like this is some archaeological vest investigation. The Oversight Committee has the authority to make sure that uh, these people get, they get recovered or buried, back, buried again. The last email he sent us, he says, we are going to rebury the individual's that were excavated, they reburied everybody, including the 14 that had not been touched. So my question was, how can you be done and you still got 14 exposed coffins in the ground? So for all those people who stand outside that gate who said, I got a relative who might be in that trench, you just buried. you Now, now officially, the city of Tulsa has created a mass grave site. Because you now have participated in the second cover-up of the first one. Because you knowingly have remains in the ground that you chose to cover up. And I kept, we kept asking, who made the decision to end, this, to end this investigation? Nobody could answer the question. So Rojas decides to throw the forensic team under the bus. Oh, we're taking their lead. They said, we don't know who made that decision. And they were ready to move further south. Yes. They were ready to keep digging further south. So that Thursday before the last pest conference, I asked Carrie Steckelback, I said, what is the next plan? She said, the plan is we're going to go further south because we think there's a pattern now. And they stopped, right? Yep. So, right, who does that in a crime scene? Well, the moment you find evidence, you expand the investigation. You bring in all your specialists and everybody that need to come on board. That's what you do in a crime scene. But in this case, they found evidence, then abruptly. It was that afternoon when Christy called me and said, I think we're going to be doing a vigil on Friday because uh, they, they said that they're done. And I said, what? That can't be. I was just there at 7 o'clock this morning, and Carrie said, we're going further to the south. I just got to get permission from the city. Now, what that tells me is that this is not about a contract. This is not about something, all the stuff that you're hearing in the media. This is about something much more sinister and deeper than that. Right? We're just not putting all the players together, making people talk. So that now we got a recording of Tuesday's meeting. Every day since that meeting, I have asked for that recording. Do you think I've got a copy of it? Yeah, it don't take no energy for you to go in, get that recording, and send us the link. But they managed to go and get the energy to send you about four other videos from in mm -hmm. the past that we did not ask for. The one that Chief is asking for has not been produced. Yeah. But if you can take the time to go back into your archives and find all them old meetings that we did to, to tell us what we said, uh, then you can pick up this most recent meeting so we can tell the public what you've said. Absolutely. So to follow up, you know, everything was rush, 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 4.51 p.m. We get an email saying, uh, basically, we're going to do what we want to do. It's not going to be formal, right? Then I got people calling me saying, hey, what, you know, what's going on? My brother, he had a fire, uh, black fire, uh, professional firefighters association. He said, yeah, they want me to do a flag ceremony and all of this stuff. I said, oh, really? Well, let me tell you what's going on with that. He said, all right, let me call him and tell him we're not doing that. 
So you got a lot of people who backed out at the last minute. Pastor Cooper, he was like, no, nah, I'm not, we're not, we're not engaging in this, this, mm-hmm. this fallacy, this cover up, this conspiracy. Right. Right. Now you got, so, so 451 hit. When, as soon as tech, Christy texts me that morning, I'm saying at this point, we got to get, we got to take legal action. We don't have no options. Right. So I called Eric Miller, DeMario. I said, Hey, listen, we got to do something. So now we on the wire trying to get something done at the last hour. We finally get a restraining order uh, 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 put together. We put, a, put out a restraining order without notice, just couldn't get it, get it to a judge's desk in time but, because it had to be done before they started covering the bodies up. And they covered them up. They did, quickly. You know, I went back that night, and I, I just went over there at the cemetery by myself, and I just looked over there at the tree. Probably was a hanging tree at one time. But uh, and I saw those bodies just covered up. What was it fourteen? Thirteen? Four, no, it's fourteen left in the ground untouched. Untouched. They reburied nineteen. Right. Yeah, nineteen, children included. Right. Yeah. And they stopped digging going south. The moment you find evidence, you stop your investigation. And in, and in all these conversations that we've had over, since Tuesday, not once did they mention, well, this is what you guys decided back in, in March, that we would have a reinterment, a temporary reinterment. They never once even mentioned that. That was never even part of the conversation, right, because they understood the conditions that we, we, we made in relationship to the reburial process. When you finish your job and we get a report of what happened and what you discovered, we didn't get that. We didn't get a homicide report. We didn't get any of those things. Are, are they fearful? They're always trying to hide something, isn't it? It's cover up stuff. Trying to protect, protect something. Yeah, something. It's always Not hide something, protect something. Protect something. Accountability. And I, I just wanted to add to that when we were talking about timetables and uh, we were like, who decided that your work was completed when last we heard you're going to be going south, right? So they send us out way after the fact, right? They sent us out some emails today, either today mm-hmm. or yesterday. Anyway, so I open it up. I read it. And it says, Statement of Research Project Proposal, Tulsa Mass Grave Excavation, Oakland Cemetery, Summer 2021. So that's right now, right? And then I go in further and I read, and it says, um, they're given a timetable. It actually says timetable. And it basically it says the excavation and exhumation process are expected to begin June 1st, 2021 and be completed by August 31st, 2021. The report is expected to be delivered no later than April 19th, 2022. Now, you look at that, that's them talking, right? Uh, it wasn't discussed with us, but they're not even fulfilling that timetable. And even in this in reading this document, it says there may be some basically um, um, circumstances that would have them to modify their search. So it seems to me if you come across somebody uh, with a bullet in the skull, you would then modify what you're doing, and then the forensic anthropologist might say, we're going to go further south. But that's where they pause. So they're they're even contradicting this, which we just got today or yesterday, whatever it was. That's a trip to me. They just released an article from the Washington Post an hour ago. Uh I was just looking at that. Uh 
Mm-hmm. See their responses. The man, it's crazy. Hmm. It's crazy. It's too stupid. You know what gets me is they can go and discover dinosaur bones. <laughs> you feel me? Archaeologists can go, but they haven't problems and not wanting to, they're not bringing the proper equipment, I think, to discover these human remains. Well, the, Go ahead. I was going to say, first of all, proper, proper equipment has to be the wheel and the heart to do the right thing. Exactly. So let's so start there. They, they can discover dinosaurs yeah, yeah, so way deep down the in, the, in the ground. And we've had uh, numerous people that have offered the, 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 the state-of-the-art technology. Uh, they've offered money to participate in this process and to help fund it. And they've always been rejected at every turn. And we talked about that at the city council yes. um, subcommittee. So the city rejects them. Yes. Yeah, we actually had a myself, Christy, Greg, and some other people. We had a private meeting with uh, uh, OSU, OSU's archaeological team. They offered the work for free. They said they'd already had the conversation with the mayor. They didn't want no drama. You know, they said it's all state money. If it's a university, it's all state money. It shouldn't matter, right? This was about preference. It was about controlling the narrative. It was about controlling how the word get out, right? How how this going to look? Because I think I'm certain that they knew they were going to find something. And this document, to that point, this document says sole source vendor, no other entity can do this work. And mm-hmm. they talk about they're putting all this whatever. I don't know. And the word's not trust, but basically they're basically saying nobody else is going to do this work except who we say. And they got this ironclad contract. So I thought about all the folks that have come to the table and offered other folks that can help, and this is their response to that. No one else can do it except for these folks, which is absolutely untrue because if that were the case, we wouldn't be having all the issues we have. Wow. We wouldn't be talking about the uh, the, the sonar uh, equipment uh, is not uh, up to par, that, that they had some results that they were unanticipated. Mm-hmm. One time the guy was talking about the the, the Big Mac trucks going through across mm-hmm. the highway were interfering with his 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 testing, you know. So, and for all the folks that are doing the best they can, we're also saying these folks are human, and clearly, if they have not, they don't believe found the original eighteen that they said they were looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Then, um, and I got questions about why they were looking for them in the first place, but that's a whole other story. But being that they they targeted that area, they're still saying they haven't found that yet. Wow. National Geographic even offered. Mm -hmm. And And the Air Force. Mm -hmm. The Air Force said they have technology that don't, that's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. non-invasive. And they should have took it up because Scott Hammerstead on the day, on day one, June 1st, when I was out there, I asked him, how is it you were able to find an anomaly 15 feet deep in the first trench that we dug 15 feet deep in, but you couldn't find all of these remains seven feet deep like how is it how does that work he said it don't because the the, the soil is so conductive that mm-hmm. it's kicking the signal back up so whatever you think you might see is actually could be nothing or something so basically what that means is we spent our tax dollars using technology that don't even work they should have tested the soil first before they even did all of that mm-hmm. and, and also to that point after the first time they attempted right and they didn't have anything remember and, and then we said this in the meeting and another public oversight meeting that they were certain and i said it to uh the archaeologists you all were certain that you were going to find something and i said isn't that because you all looked at the uh 
20-year study that the first commission uh, had had commissioned uh, had had produced, and it said in that in that in those pages they gave the exact location where there were anomalies, where there's something underground. So they went off a 22-year-old material. That's how they knew to go to that area and that there was going to be something under there. That's how they were so certain. So they didn't even have to rely on his equipment in 2021. They could rely on the records that they had. And there were remains there where they, where they dug. It's just that they didn't find what they thought they were going to find. And we don't really know because they didn't yeah. dig them all up. Yeah. So in that first great site, yeah. we found all those remains, the first yeah. 12. Yeah. Only there's still seven of them untouched in the original mass grave trench. Like you done went and told the whole world that we found a mass grave site, but you leave seven of them in the ground. So for all of those families that's on edge saying, hey, I, I hope they find my relatives. They, you mean they only pull about four or five of those bodies out of that? Out of that main, out of trench A, there were 12. There are seven remaining that were untouched. How do you explain that? Just pull four. That's it. And, and and Chief, let me just add to that. That that larger, broader story. Um, uh, we do know that the first report they were looking at, they were looking for remains, and as they said, wooden, plain wooden boxes. Mm-hmm. So they were they were focused on these plain wooden boxes, and uh, so so I think that helps. I think expand the story in terms of where her focus was. Right. Uh, but to your point, uh, when there's something that's unorthodox and, and they're not quite sure what they've stumbled upon, then, uh, you know, and, and I just, I don't have much faith that the reports that they're going to be presenting are going to be able to give us anything that detailed because we don't have a process right now. If we're talking about descendants of possible mm-hmm. victims, they have nothing in place right now that if you've taken this DNA, how do you match it up with a human being today if you haven't even started a process? You haven't asked folks to come in and do you know this person that was shot in 1921? Are you connected to this person that was burned to death, right? Well, this your relative. Yeah, they have not. They, mm-hmm. And they know some names. Mm-hmm. And so they haven't started that process. And, uh, and uh, you know, they've, they've actually said, well, that's a good point. Uh, it, it, that, that work should have begun, but that's just not our field. And the historical committee mm-hmm. uh, that's supposed to be looking into that, they haven't met, and I don't know when, right? So that told me a long time ago there was not a real genuine effort to connect DNA to, to ancestors. So what are they going to do? What's going to be the process? Do, do we know? Well, yeah. they're going to follow the process that other people have, have done in the past. They just don't have one established period, right? And, and it's that pro- the same process they mentioned early on because they were basing it off of uh, academic information, right? You gather all the, you, you create a database where you gather the names of people who say they have missing relatives. Then you, you set up uh, a, a, a space or a period in time where you collect da- DNA from those people and match it up with the DNA that you now have in your system. Right now, they've, they claim to have created a database of the DNA that they've taken from but the, we don't know. Uh, we don't have many. We, we don't, don't know how right. many remain. We don't know if it's been one, done at all. One for sure. She we, said she's taking DNA. Saying, yeah. Regardless, we don't but, have nothing. We don't have a receipt. Right. Right. We have we have word of mouth, but we don't have a receipt. We've never gotten a report mm-hmm. that says this is the end. This is a finalized. Uh, this is the end of our contract. Here's the here are the findings. We don't have none of that, which was part of the reason we agreed. Then let's hold off till you get it, right? Because if we don't do it this way, my exact words were. Public opinion says, 
You found evidence and you covered it up. You don't have no other narrative. And even even if you had done all the analysis, we didn't agree to do it that way. And you left out the whole you left out the, this whole entire community. You, you know, I mean, just like look at what was out there. They pulled down a fence. Okay, if they pulled down a fence, they could put up a fence and all of the public could have been inside that space and been able to do whatever they want to do. Their fear was they're going to look in that ground and say, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Why? What? Those coffins ain't even touched. They will be able to see what we saw. That is the issue. And since we believe they were not going to cover them up because we agreed, how do you sit in on a vote, listen to these, this, and, and, and acknowledge, yeah, that's a good idea, but then you go turn around and do the opposite of what we asked you to do? Because we know, we, we, like we said in the very beginning, before we even became an oversight committee, my commentary was, Mr. Mayor, how can you investigate yourself and prosecute yourself at the same time? That is my concern. You can't. Conflict of interest. So that means eventually we will have to call in outside investigators to, uh, to investigate what we found here. Otherwise, that's why we said when we did the press conference, we're not going to be participants in a grand scheme, a conspiracy and cover-up. We're not. We're going to express to the community what they need to know, let the world know, put, put information out every way, in any way we can, and force them to, to tell the truth about this issue. That's why they won't give us that recording, because that recording will, will be the tell-all, because now you got your science team agreeing with us that this was not the end. We don't know who made the decision to make the call mm-hmm. to stop. That, that right there kills every lie that's in every, every news publication right now. The only people that got the truth is World One Development. Through, through eating media services. They're the only ones who got the truth, the full truth. So we sit and we watch and we wait. Then they set us up to say, okay, then we're going to have to file for um, Open Records Act. You either give it to us voluntarily or you would once again prove that you are, in fact, covering up information that proves you wrong. Mm-hmm. And I want people to recognize the, the the passion that Chief has right now. It does not change. This has been him in every meeting. Same for Regina. This is the oversight. Same committee. for Christy. But, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I just want people to see that because then you know you people have came to me and said, "I told you so. I told y'all. That's why I didn't want to be. Just I told y'all. I've had people say that, but they don't understand the reason why." Vanessa had us on this oversight committee is for this very reason right here to be an oversight. So I, I want to address those people who have said, I, I told y'all, I told y'all, I said, I didn't want to be bothered with it. I told y'all, but this is why we have to be in these spaces. Because just imagine if we were not there, what would have happened? This, this, they would have been done with this a long time ago. And and for anybody that says I told y'all, had it not been for uh, Representative Don Ross and the late Senator Maxine Horner, yes. it was their charge 20 years ago when they said, listen, if we find remains, we want there to be a final and, and more sacred resting place. And see, we owe it to them also to continue the work. So for all the folks that I told y'all and they ain't going to do right, 
We didn't say folks were going to do right. We said we're going to do right. That's right. Right. And we're going to continue to do the jobs that we have to do because, again, we owe it to the ancestors. And as God is my witness, again, as long as we're sitting here, as long as we're able, we're going to try to do the right thing. So for all the folks that didn't want to do it, said don't go down that path, again, I don't think it would be doing uh, justice to Representative Ross, who's still with us today. God bless him. And to the late Senator Horner, if we did not do what we're doing. So yeah, that, that's where that's where our position is. I believe that, too. I think that uh, we should have had our own burial ground, personally. And we talked about that. I just that. think we should have had our own land, and we should take those graves who were buried by white people. Mm-hmm. Put Whites put them in that grave, and they haven't had a proper burial. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, Bobby, legally, they have custody of those remains. If you cannot find uh, no, 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 no. I, well, I know mean, you say legally or yeah, not, right. say but take, I'm saying, I'm just saying, it's not that simple. If that, if we could well, I know it ain't. I, I, know, I know it's not that simple, but. but... But keep in mind, the city owns Oakland. And understand this, I thought, I got to think about this the other day, from the very beginning, has anyone we were ever disadvantaged. Asked we to, were disadvantaged because they run that cemetery has anybody and they control them can the remains be relocated yeah we have of course bobby of course what was said bobby they maintain custody of the remains right now because they own this no 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 it's the law it's the law until you find next of kin which you'd have to do through dna and having a process in place right if we were to find a descendant that could say hey I want, I want my, my mama moved over here. Right. Yeah. right. But understand, I think uh, the fix was in, quite frankly, when we stayed in that area, when they refused to go out to Crown Hill, when they refused to go to other sites, because Crown Hill to this day is owned by a black man, said, Regina, I've been waiting on them for two years. I've asked them, y'all come on out. Never once did they even want to go out there to, to excavate. Mm-hmm. And he's an owner that said, uh, unlike... Uh, the other cemetery, uh, Booker T. Washington, um, mm-hmm. where we fought with him for two years because he's a private owner and he didn't want nobody out there. And the city, acting as if this was not a crime scene, kept listening to this private owner. Well, he doesn't want anybody out there. Well, you're going to do that for two years and you're the city of Tulsa. And you're going to let this one man say you can't come out here and look at a potential crime scene. Mm-hmm. That's not usually the way it works, but that's the way it's worked over the last 22 and a half years. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, how you think we feel? <laughs> and we've been in the ground. That, But see, that's why we had to be out there every day. You know, I, I couldn't be out there every day, but I was out there every morning as much as I possible. I can't come out there. Because I needed to, I, I felt like I needed to pray over them bones, right? Because there's no way, like nothing is in vain. I don't care what anybody say. We, we, we've been able to pray, even though we didn't have a proper, we still haven't had a proper mm-hmm. ceremony, a proper burial. We didn't waste time. While we out there, like we pouring libation, we asking them to respect the earth. We saying, look, what the the person they found with the that had the bullets in it. I helped carry those remains in, and my last words to his bones was, "Tell us why you here." Nah, I didn't know that that was the one. I said, "Tell us why you here." We waiting for your story. Tell us why you here. How you got here? Next thing I know, I'm hearing, "Oh my God, guess what." That's, they done found bullets in this one, in this one's body. How many bullets? I don't know. We don't have a report. See, a report, no That's numbers, what I'm saying. No nothing. It was a few. I, I don't know how the exact. But yeah, that's what I'm like saying. Three, but we're not, you know. Yeah, and, and they just, did report on that, and I just can't recall. I'm it's saying we don't have documents. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a document 
that gives us forensic evidence that says this is what how many bullets we found. This it don't you you don't even have to find the bullets. You can look at the skeleton and tell how much damage was done to the skeletal remain. I mean to the skeleton to determine the damage in a trauma situation. That's right. And Phoebe yeah. said, Doctor Stubblefield said it would take what to another month. She had out. and then she said she doesn't really need a month. Really, she doesn't need a month, but she was provided a month, which again. You know what? We got to just keep. We we keep doing the work. It's tiring. It, it it's frustrating. It's all of that. But guess what? We're not going through anything that that my great grandmama didn't go through. Mm-hmm. That that her great grandmama didn't go through. So the bottom line is this: the work ain't never been easy. Nobody said it was going and to be continues. easy, right? Yeah. And it, and it's ongoing. So um uh and and so that's that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, look here. We're gonna take a short pause, a break, and then we're gonna come back. Uh, discuss this some more. Oh, man, it's uh, real deep. It's real heavy. Hey, we're talking about the mass grave cover-up, city of Tulsa. Chief Christie and Regina are in the house. And if you want to call in, you can you can dial the number 646-716-5525. Take a little break. Hey, I got to yeah, do what I do. Oh, yeah, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way, located at 1533 North Norfolk, here in the heart of uh, North Tulsa, North Tulsa Community Radio Station. You know, we put together over here, and uh, 
We serve the community. We are all about the community. Community, community, community. Bring in awareness. So if you have anything you'd like to uh, discuss or talk, you can email us at eatonmusic2 at gmail.com. Again, that's E-A-T-O-N, music, the number two, at gmail.com. We'll review it. And if it's of interest to the community and to our people, then we'll talk about it. You know, uh, these doors are open to anybody. I don't care what status you are or what you have. You know, it's not important to me. What's important to me is what you can do to um, bring about awareness to your people, African-American black people over here in North Tulsa, you know, and other places too as well. But we concentrate on North Tulsa. So that's what we're doing in the studio. Hey, Miss Christie had to leave y'all. She had to get out of here. So we got, hey, we still got Chief and Regina in the house. Yep, yep. And uh, we're we're back, you know. And uh, this discussion has been of a uh, a lot of interest, you know, a lot of information that's been delegated out to the community, well, to the world. Anyone who's listening, so you can get this information that you didn't know anything about, you know, because we talk about it long term up in here. And um, going forward. Where do you think we need to do and where we need to move or uh, who we need to contact or what going forward? Well, I think the big thing is we need to be informed, right? You can't, you can't move forward without good information, without the right information. You just can't do it, right? You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, you're, just in, a, you're in a hamster wheel and the people who are controlling the narrative are controlling the circumference of your thinking, right? And so... We got to educate people. We got to make sure people are informed. We got to demand information, right? That's kind of why we're in this situation right now, right? The lack of transparency. They, all you're hearing them talk about is we are committed to transparency. We're committed to, you know what I'm saying? You're committed to lying. That's what you're committed yeah, to doing, right? right? Transparency. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, uh, so, you know, the same same people using people of color <laughs> who don't think white is a color. But, um, we got to have, we got to be informed, right? That's our greatest weapon against any type of mental manipulation. And right now they're trying to spin it and manipulate this story, this, this narrative as much as possible. And it's very clear to us on the inside as the oversight committee, because we, they just refused to offer up our recording of our meeting from Tuesday that said, no, you're not going to do this to us or the community, right? The community deserves better. We, I specifically said, yeah, they deserve um, um, to be honored, but it's premature. You haven't done your job, right? When the community can say, be satisfied with your work and your contribution, right? It's like, and you don't have nothing to hide, right? There's no reason they couldn't have made a safe space in that space for people to participate if they wanted to participate. But it wasn't about them participating or not participating. It was about them seeing what they didn't do. You can't say the job is done, but you you got you got these brand new white pods, and then you got these raggedy coffins that somebody threw in the ground, and people get to actually see it. It changes your perspective when you on the ground and you looking in that trench, right? You can't deny it at that point. You're not gonna deny it at that point. That's your opportunity to say we're not gonna let them throw dirt in their face again. The community would have been able to see for themselves firsthand how terrible of a cover-up it is. 
and it was definitely a cover-up when I went out there. Because <clears throat> I'm going to tell you what I saw, and I'm just going to speak it. What I saw was a bunch of white people over there with the graves and a, and a bunch of black people locked outside the fence and the gate. A whole lot of us was outside the fence and the, hollering and yelling and back and forth. And they were over there praying and stuff and, you know, cameramen over there and all of that was there over our people. They were doing the ceremony and the praying and stuff like that and just over there and probably some of them was workers. I'm pretty sure they were, but it was a bunch of white people. That's why nobody want to answer the question. Yeah. Who made the decision to stop this investigation? Because the same person... they did, they stopped Because the same person who made that decision made the decision to cover them back up. Mm -hmm. And and this is not... um, you know, we don't have to be exceptionally smart. Again, um, the bottom line is Mayor Bynum uh, is the leader of the city. He is a strong mayoral uh, city council form of government. So he's making these decisions. That's the bottom line. And uh, nobody else can be making that call to say move forward, regardless of what the oversight committee is saying. Uh, somebody had to order the casket pods to come in. Somebody mm-hmm. had to order the drone that they had flying overhead. When we didn't even that. know they I were there. That. Yeah. So that doesn't happen just through happenstance. No. And what we had said is I'd asked the question a year ago, how long can remains um, remain above ground, right? And we asked it again on Tuesday, and the anthropologist said for years. So there was no rush to put these remains back down in the ground. There was no rush. And uh, so, again, Good questions were not answers, and if they were answered, they weren't good answers, right? Not even that. It was mentioned. Let's not put them back here. We don't want them back in this mass grave trench. Put them somewhere else in the cemetery temporarily, right? And they was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And don't forget, somebody said they thought there was water down underground in the pit, that there was it's water, water there. water table. Okay. And they thought that uh, it would not be best at this point. Mm-hmm. They just said that on Tuesday. It was dry right? as a bone. Um, and so I'm mm-hmm. still asking that question. Is there water there? Is this the best place for these, the, these remains to be buried? Never got that answer. So we, we, we were told that by, you know, uh, forensic scientists or forensic anthropologists. Yet on Tuesday, question never gets answered. And they're just doing what they wanted to do anyway uh, on Thursday. Yeah, prepping them pods took some time. Yeah, putting them did. in the ground took some time. Yeah, did they so, did they put them in six feet? They put them in the depth that they found them in. But those yeah. pods are, they're going to be above the depth because the ground is where they came out of. So the bottom mm-hmm. of the pod, you saw how big the pods were. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, so they're probably two, three feet above where they originally were. Mm-hmm. Right, and they laid cardboard, from what I could tell from the aerial pictures, yeah, it looked they like they did. laid they, plywood, they, plywood on top wood. of the other ones. Exactly. I saw the plywood, mm-hmm. you know, and I saw the little babies. Um, the the pods, yeah. pods, you know, yeah. with the babies and things like that. That made me sad, too, as well. Oh, man. Now, are they going to exhume those bodies again? Those are the questions we've been asking. Like, what mean, are, what, once you bury them back down in there, are you going to go later on and dig them back up again? That's why we ask about a budget. That's what, right. What? How much money do you have? How? What assurance do we have that this work is going to continue? Because where they're talking about, they're going to pause again, 
the question was, this is really a pause or is this a period, right? And you're telling us we're just pausing and we're going to get the documentation together. And again, if you and don't, we're going to, we're going to dig them up again. Yeah. But again, you know, we don't know. We don't and, know. And, uh, um, so that's always been a concern. We don't know because see, Tuesday they spent a good portion of time trying to express to us why they didn't dig, why they didn't excavate the other remains. And their excuse was it does not fit the scope of what we're looking for. Now, if they're telling us that, that means they not, they're not going back to it because it don't fit the scope. But we argued the definition of the scope, and we did so with great – you know, with, with a lot of um, – Rigor. Yes. And, and, and intellect. And vigor. Right. Just science. <laughs> just basic science based on the based on the historical information that we have, like based on the historical information we have, the fact that it's nothing orthodox. Because they're saying we're looking for patterns and we're looking for what the heck you think. This, and I even said you y'all are talking as if the people who put them in the ground had some moral uh, responsibility. Like they had, this is a mass grave. You think they care about these black bodies that went in the ground? They don't. But y'all are treating them as if. These people are, with, you know, they, they were decent. They, were, they wanted to treat these folks with respect. But look at how they buried. Disoriented. One man's body was dis- contorted because his body was too big for the coffin. So they had to contort his body to fit him into the coffin. Like, what's, what, what, what's the pattern in that? Right? You got babies next to shot-up victims, next to pregnant women, next to... A man that's contorted next to people that's turned in the wrong direction. You, I gave They're going you all kind of yes. I huh? gave you more than enough evidence and information for you to say there is nothing orthodox about this. We could potentially declare this whole entire area as part of the a mass grave from 1921. We just need permission to go further south. Like Carrie said, I think we have a pattern now because we're seeing victims, babies. We're seeing all of these different arrangements and assortments that they don't. Just, they just threw them in there. Of course. And then you got some that's in crates. And mm-hmm. Clyde Eddie talked about crate, bodies being put in crates. Right? So. Mind you, Chief, the Clyde Eddie spot that they I know, have not I know. gotten to. And, it, and we've been asking for 22 years. I know. But what I'm saying is if Clyde yeah. Eddie saw crates, he didn't say he oh, saw yeah, them no. in the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just said he saw crates yeah. in an area. Yeah. I'm simply saying those crates could have went anywhere. Mm-hmm. And we need to investigate. They found crates. So you don't think that's and, and what did Carrie say? Oh my God, I thought the same thing. That was the first thing that came came to my mind. Now to the to the other part of that is she saw that and we had this discussion. Yeah, we did. That uh, she said they then determined that it wasn't a crate as in a, a carrier crate as much as a container. But even that explanation said, well, why is that down in the ground? Exactly, grass? like right? red flag. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. This is, this is so crazy. You know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't, wow. man. I mean, literally make me want to, the, the, the rage, man, that, that, that I'm containing, I could probably dig up the rest of those remains. You know what I'm saying? Without a backhoe. It's just like, I can't even express what this journey has felt like and what it's been like. But I can tell you, I'm not fueled by sorrow. I'm not fueled by pain. I'm fueled by rage at this point. Like, and, and just the fact that I can hear, and not my own necessarily. I can hear, I, I was telling uh, uh, Dr. Alicia Odewale, I said, you know what the problem is? When you see them babies, you start hearing, you, you start, start hearing screams of children, of babies, right? You start hearing that. 
and you go to sleep with that and you figure okay let let me we got to figure out how we're going to get this done how we're going to work this out and all while hearing all the the side talk and the naysayers and all of that you dealing with all of that all at the same time and you try to stay so committed stay focused and so direct that you don't let them ancestors down like you finally got a chance if you would if somebody killed you a hundred years later we digging up your remains the people who are putting that work in they need to be so committed and so dedicated because your the energy that it took just for you to be heard long enough to be like a, you sent a hundred year message that just now got heard and the right people heard it and found your remains. We have the, the we can't even we ain't even touched the level of spiritual obligation that we have. We ain't even touched the surface. The fact that they covered them up, you watch how the city is gonna deal with that. Know how the how the city is gonna have to the just the the karmic agreement that they made when they covered those those grounds up. You just created a karmic agreement with the whole freaking universe. Like you think <laughs> You know, I, and, and you hear people say, well, God, you know, they're asking us to pray for you. You think God is looking, how do you think God is looking at this? How do you think God looked at that ceremony the day y'all prayed over them bodies? That's what you need to ask yourself because you did that for yourself. That was, a self, that was a self-based move. That wasn't a selfless move. That wasn't a spiritual move based on God's interpretation of what you're, you're acting, what you did on this day. God is saying, those are my children that you're covering up. I gave you the intellect and ask you to use your intellect and your wisdom and your heart to do the right thing. And you failed again. Uh, they talked about at the uh, subcommittee at the city council meeting with the councilwoman Harper today. Um, and they were talking about, well, we, we, we need to know, well, who's responsible? You have the city council members asking who's responsible. Now, when you have a city council member and you have to say to the city council member, the mayor, you know, this is a strong mayor, city council form of government. So uh, when we come after two and a half years and we're asked that question, right, uh, and they're talking about, well, we know we want to restore trust. You can't restore trust unless trust has already been established. So we're trying to establish trust because there's none to be restored because we don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, this is so heartening and so just hard to hear. And, uh, and Bobby, it's hard for you to hear and understand this. I think it's a matter of perspective, right? We got folks like you, on the oversight committee, right? But we need folks like you leading the city. We need folks like you that, that care enough and want to carry it out to its fullest extent. And that's why when our, when our shoulders are heavy, right? And we're like, oh, here we go. We're 100 years into this again. And, and it's now it's on our watch, right? And we're getting the same results as our ancestors. It is heavy. It is a burden, but that's because you care. Now, if you don't care, and if you can manipulate numbers, and if you can come out with reports and tell the community, well, the Public Oversight Committee agreed to this, and they, they said we're going to reinter the bodies. What's the problem? Uh, you got to understand the psyche that you're dealing with and the hearts that you're dealing with. So, Okay, let me ask you guys this question. Who selects the people that's over the Oversight Committee? Where the, who selects those people? And is there a vote or a channel? or How do you get to that point? Well, they're elected. You're talking about... Elected by, by who? No, well, first of all, if we're talking about the mayor of the city... No, you're talking about the Oversight Committee? Oversight Committee. Okay. 
Who's, I mean, who, no. how did that come about? In so, terms of the people that are on the like oversight us. committee? Yeah. What you got? I had to ask to be on there. Right. Because well, I was not on the original list of folks that they had exactly. on the oversight committee. And I went to the mayor and I called him and I said, you know, I'm a descendant of race massacre survivors. I would like to be on this committee. It's not like, hey, he was jumping for joy to have me there. No. But, but he was um, um, cooperative enough and willing enough to allow me to be on the public oversight so committee. So he makes the choice? And, 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 and he made and, the future choices. We just simply so me, and, and, and I also so think you guys have a committee, and only and I think Councilwoman Harper had some say. Well, she made sure, yeah. yeah because and half of the committee only participates, right? You saying some less of them? Less than half. Well, less you have than, to be informed. You got to be informed of the meetings, though. There are a number of folks that told me, Regina, I haven't been told about a meeting, let alone been well, allowed to vote. All you got to do, you got, when I hit reply all, I see who's on those emails. Yeah, yeah. And I know yeah. who's not on there, and I know who is. If we yeah. got fourteen. People yeah. who are recipients to 18 people who are recipients and only four show up all the time. Well, well, I don't know if only four show up all the time. I know when we were meeting in public, right, and we had a different. physical place yeah. for folks to meet. I'm talking about once and, we but, went. But you have yeah. to also be right there on your emails, looking at them, at, at waiting for that. So, to I, I heard from folks who said I haven't been contacted by how they're reaching out to folks. So. I wouldn't necessarily say it's because of a lack of interest. I think it's been a lack of communication and keeping those connections. Well, it's, it's, but it's, for whatever the reason. I'm just saying, yeah. I know personally I've reached out and reminded people, and you still don't get input. Like, okay, why are we on this call together? But going back to your question, you got to remember, Vanessa put this issue out first with the Washington Post. Right. Then the mayor followed him. Okay. Yeah. The mayor followed suit really fast. It was just a couple of days later. The mayor suddenly announces he's going to do an investigation after Vanessa put Tulsa on Front Street about the mass graves. That ain't accidental. Also, Vanessa, who said you better make sure you put some community people on whatever it is you're trying to do. So she invited some people in who had an interest, who had who've been dealing with this issue for a very long time, like Regina said. So we got we bringing in our, our knowledge, our expertise, our commitment to the very issue we're talking about, making sure that you have a voice, making sure you have people who are willing to say the truth. How can you do this? How what is the investigation really going to look like? Because all we hearing is you just called this a criminal investigation. That was that was our immediate first response. Like, OK, you you can't possibly be serious about prosecuting yourself. This got to be a joke. I need to hear this myself. Right. So that's the first question. And you're like, well, yeah, you know, you raise a good question. I, I, know, I, I don't need you to tell me that. I need you to answer the question. Like, how do we proceed from this point? So you got those people. And then since then, they started adding who they wanted to add to the said, oversight committee, the city. They, the city. The city. Yeah, started adding people like Native American groups, different people like that. They started adding in people. And I'm starting to see our list of names just stack up and add up. Right? That's not a problem. But we're not seeing no input. We're not just, seeing, the bodies are just there. Yeah, we're not seeing what's your purpose in being present. No right. work is being done by these people. It's just us. And that's a problem. Even when they even when we they want us to come up with this temporary reinterment, they wanted me, Turner, and Kevin to, to make the decision. I protested it. I said, you can't put that pressure on us. We're not in a position as a body, as the three of us, we're not in a position to make a decision for a collective body this big, and we're not going to. And, I t- and after that, I said, we need to have our own private meeting without the city. Right? I agree with that. So they ain't trying to control 
what we say, look at, look at what happened now. Now we're asking them to give us a recording of our own meeting. After I done said previously, when we have private meetings, we need to set up the meeting ourselves. Because when we don't do that, we run into situations like we're in right now. That meeting should not have been organized by the city. That should have been our meeting inviting whoever we want to be part of the call that could answer our questions. That's why I said, before we had this meeting, Mr. Rojas, can the people who are on this call that you invited answer my questions? Since they don't work for the city, I know they can't tell me why a homicide investigator is not on the ground or why a medical examiner is not on the ground because that ain't your job. That ain't your, that's not your role. But they trying to get the, they trying to pass the book onto the scientists to answer all of our questions. And I see why, because, you know, every time we talked about something related to justice or criminal charges, it was always the science team responding, primarily Phoebe Stubblefield. And she made it clear that she could not answer those questions. Yeah, she was finally. saying, that's not my role, right? <laughs> and uh, But again, uh, uh, none of those meetings were, uh, like I say, all of this was by design. The folks were present that wanted to be present and the folks that were representing the city, all of that they understood. And uh, so we are where we are, uh, but it's not as if we were unaware from day one. Can, so. can those uh, non-participants be removed? I, I would even say this. I would imagine with any any committee, any commission, oftentimes there are a lot of folks that are on a body, of, right? And, and again, typically it's just a few folks that actually do the work. So I'm not making excuses for folks, but I do know that's human nature. And I know schedules and et cetera and, and a lack of communication and wondering why I haven't, haven't met in four months. What, what are they talking about? So whatever the reason, uh, those folks not being fully engaged, I know some wanted to be. Some actually said, we haven't gotten messages for our committee and I don't know how long. So I don't think it was. Yeah, I don't, but I'm talking about our committee. You got four yeah. different committees. Yeah. Because like even Alicia Odewale, she, she, made it, she made it a point to express. Why am I being left off this, these emails? Because I'm on all three committees. Like she had to address uh, Rojas about that very issue. This is an archaeological, a cultural anthropologist, archaeologist, who had to ask, why am I being excluded from these calls? I should have been on that private meeting, but I'm not getting any uh, correspondence. And I'm looking at the emails and her name ain't on none of them. Wow. And she's saying as far as the other committees, they ain't even meeting no more. Right. Which is probably why there ain't no correspondence with them. Of course. And like I say, none of this is an accident. It's all I right. keep saying. This is by design. The lack of communication, the dismantling or the non-communication to the committees. Well, they know, hey, they have, I think, in their heads when they wanted to bring this to a conclusion. And, you know, and basically, uh, as the email said today, uh, we understand that you all had some questions and blah, blah, blah. Uh, however, this is what the city is going to do. So when you get that kind of email, what is the point of having a public oversight committee if you're going, once again, just herd us into a decision, right, and act as if somehow we were, were complicit? So we, again, are saying that we're not going along with the with the lack of transparency. That's why we speak to it. And we we didn't just start today. We've been asking these questions for years. Yeah. I mean, I even asked, like, who in their right mind would rebury these victims back in the same cemetery 
where you got people like Tate Brady who participated in the massacre. Like you would never bury Jews in the same cemetery as Hitler or, 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 or Nazi, you know, war criminals. That would never happen. It wouldn't even be a discussion, right? Like who does that? And, and they, you know, they went on to say, well, you know, there are people who are uh, relatives of survivors who are buried out here. And I said, the difference is they had a choice. The people in this ground didn't have no choice. Families don't even, didn't even know that they was put here. So what, how, do you even make a, how do you even make that parallel? Just to say that is insensitive, right? Like it makes no sense, none of it. Like what kind of psychosis is this? Oh, boy. Mm. Something, something to really think about and process. You know, African-American people have been in the struggle for years. Not only did this happen in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but Elaine, Arkansas, uh, Rosewood. We've been going through trauma and BS for years. We've been fighting in the struggle for life. People have died, even in the civil rights movement, and people have lost their lives, and we still struggle. You know, when the centennial was here, May 31st, I saw all these highfalutin celebrities and people come to town, all of these high-profile people, you know what I mean, come to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and upon arriving here, they uh, some of them even came to this radio station. And I said, I was saying all along, I said, well, when this big party is over with, we still here. We still have to deal with the trauma of our community because our community is traumatized. They really are, and we need some uh, healing. We need some healing, and as people in the struggle like yourselves and me and everybody out here trying to fight in this war in Tulsa, Oklahoma, one of the most racist cities in the nation, that's what I feel. It's just quite so much a struggle that you don't ever know from day to day what's going to happen around here. You know, you don't know if uh, police are going to arrest or shoot somebody. You don't know. Uh, if they're gonna, they put down bicycle trails on our street. Now they're gonna take them up, and we got you got to fight for so many rights here in Tulsa. It's a struggle. Sometimes I just shake my head and I say, "Wow!" A lot of the mainstream. I got a media company right here. Mainstream media come over here all the time looking for stories, black stories. I don't tell them nothing. Only tell them what I want them to hear. They never report on good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't ever hear them talking about a pocket full of Hope, Reed Community Center, Carver Center, uh, over here at Eat Meat, Juice Radio Show. You don't ever hear them talking about none of that stuff. But the minute someone gets shot and killed over in our community, boom, it's, it's big news. And we fall for that because that's what we see in our community. Man, let me speak to that. You know what we fall for? Our our police chief, he made a traumatized (laughs) 
man, let me let me get my words yeah, right words, so like I don't a, cuss. Let, I'm gonna okay, get my yeah, words yeah, we right. We can't cuss on the radio. <laughs> like, let me get my words right. Okay. All right. So what I'm trying to say is, our police chief made the decision to quote unquote sarcastically say, "Where are all the protesters at when the last murder happened in our community?" He said that. Did, did you? Yeah, yeah, he did. And and chief to that point because I think we know. Chief Franklin's history. Mm-hmm. I think we know he was the one black officer many, many years ago during the black officers lawsuit that said there was no racial bias mm-hmm. in the city of Tulsa. He's the same man when he was appointed as chief. That said, he still says there's no racial bias on the Tulsa Police Department. That's why he is I the chief of the Tulsa That's Department. Right. Okay. Now, when he made that statement, I clearly saw it as a provocative statement. Mm-hmm. He was trying to trigger somebody and to uh, trying to respond to him. Of course. He has continued to show this community who he is, and he has never, ever, when we asked him to come out and meet with us, and he said that he would, and then he reneged and said, well, his folks said he's only supposed to work with people that want to work with the police department, right? Mm-hmm. This is a guy that I had invited out. Right. So when he makes that statement, for me, that's par for the course. And it was not really deserving of a response because he was trying to trigger an emotion. We know that the Tulsa Police Department, we're going to come to you when police officers are murdering black men and women. You're absolutely going to hear from us. And no, you might not hear from us when we're just asking you and you're expected to do your job. That's right. So if you see crime on the street, you signed up for it. That's your job. That's right. Right. And there no, there ain't gonna be no protesters to come out and mm-hmm. say, hey, right? And yes, we've been out there when there's been black um black crime. Absolutely, yeah. we've done that also. Mm-hmm. But please don't think that you're gonna trigger this right. community into responding to your nonsense because you have not served this community That's right. properly. That's right? right. You continue to cater to the very folks that pay you every week or every month or however you get paid. And so that was far for the course, as far as I'm concerned, as it related to Chief Franklin. And and I did not want him to be chief. I told him that in a conversation. He was not the choice to be the chief for this community. But because he was chosen, how do we work together? And this is a man that has proven over and over and over again. He's committed to the status quo. He had some young boys out there talking about, you know, they need to see officers in a space where we can play football or basketball. Or We're not talking about public relations. We're talking about Community policing, we're talking about what does it mean to have real transformative justice in Tulsa, and he does not represent that. So basically what he did is he represented himself in those statements. Mm -hmm, He He showed America who he is, and there was no community deserves that. And to to, to anybody that chooses to protest the next murder because it will happen, we continue to do those things because guess what? If you're not doing your job and you're out here murdering us, when you're supposed to be protecting the peace, Yes, there are going to be protests, and yes, you're going to hear from us, and it, it will never be right. So sleep all you want or don't sleep, whatever it is that you do at night, but you're not going to trigger community into stupidity. That's right. Mm. That's real. That's deep. That's real. Okay. That's, how, of, that's lot, how you close it out. A lot of information. <laughs> that's how we close it out, right? <laughs> hey. I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedule because I know you're busy. Every day there's a challenge and things like that. And uh, thank you, Chief. Thank you, Regina. Appreciate you, brother. I always like to end on an upbeat note. 
because as long as you have three minds around the desk, right, taking right. the time, as you say, uh-huh. we are aspiring to greater things. We do believe in better, right, or we wouldn't be here. And we leave out on that note knowing that when I, when I lay my head on a pillow tonight, I know that I've done my best. Yeah. And when you know you've done your best, then you can sleep well. That's Amen. real. You know, I, I'm going to piggyback on what Regina just said, uh, you know, bringing that high note. Two things I was thinking about. We we so in sync right now. My, my grandma used to say, go to sleep like they're going to write your headstone tomorrow. Like live your day, live your day. Mm. But, but on top of that, when when we went to Congress and I saw Miss Viola Fletcher testify and I listened to Uncle Red cry, a grown man from the diaphragm cry. I said, we don't have no excuse. There ain't no excuse for giving up. There's no excuse. Can't give up. You're standing no. on those shoulders. That's right. You know. Well, thank you guys, man. Thank I you, appreciate brother. We appreciate it. You know, you. this show is recorded and stuff like that for those who didn't get a chance to hear it. A lot of great information, you guys. So if you're out there listening, uh, I know I got some fans who listen all the time because they don't ever know what's going to happen on the Bobby Eaton show where we tell our stories our way. We don't do it no other way. We tell them our way. And I just want to thank you guys for coming in and here. And that's truthfully. About... We tell our stories truthfully. Yeah, truthfully. <laughs> right, right. All right, Regina and Chief. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right, Bobby Eaton Show every Monday and Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on Saturdays from 12 to 2 Central Standard Time. We're taking donations over here at Eaton Media Services. We got a donation bucket that Chief set up, you know, a long time ago. I'm going to tell you what's happening, and we've been using it, too. You know, anything helps for the Juice Radio Show, trying to send them to New York this time. We went to Atlanta, so now trying to send them to New York. Young people doing uh, journalism. You can cash up us at uh, Juice Radio Show. You know, just do the Juice Radio Show, cash up, Ramal and Trey and all of them. and They're doing fundraisers, and we're trying to come up with money and trying to get money for a van and things like that. All right, Eaton Media Services, E-A-T-O-N, music2 at gmail.com. Get in touch with us, and uh, we will certainly respond to all of your requests and things of that nature right there. So we want you to to be there. All right, and uh, what else I got to say? I don't have too much more to say. But uh, this is by Charlie Wilson right here, homeboy, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I knew God was was really, I always just prayed. Uh, My prayer was I asked God to not to let the devil kill me out here while I was in the streets before I could get back. But I said, if you give me one more chance at life and music, I promise you, I'm going to shout you out, and I'm going to testify, and we're going to have a little church over there. Oh, 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 I'm Waking up, thanking God. Every day is feeling just like Sunday. Why you fly by my side? Green light, everything is going my way. Riding clean. Living dreams, just like a barber, and I'm feeling like my ass. Heard him say, give him praise. But soon the water got you acting like this. Ain't a day go by that I don't try. 
got you all we are. And girl, I never felt this way before. From the bottom of my heart. Baby girl, I just wanna tell you that you are the reason that I love, the reason I trust.
The home of the Bobby Eaton Show, the Juice Radio Show, and Two Dogs Radio Show. Yeah. I do it big. Okay. You better R-E-S-P-E-C-T me. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stay connected and call us now at 646-716-5525 and press 1 to go live.
is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.